Back here on Upon Further Review until 5 o'clock here this afternoon. Chris and Steve with you. Back to your calls in just a bit at 437-7644. But first, let's check in on the NBA Combine where Rakeem Christmas has been among the most impressive players so far. And joining us from DraftExpress.com is uh, Jonathan Gavoni, who has been out there covering the Combine at Chicago. Jonathan, thanks for uh, coming on. We know Rakeem Christmas led all the scores in the uh, Combine scrimmages yesterday. My question to you would be, uh, what should we make of that? What does that mean for his draft stock moving forward here? Well, it's great. I mean, it's very helpful. Anytime you can come in and be as aggressive as he was and just able to show a versatile skill set, he he did it in a lot of different ways. He scored inside the post. He he, he finished on the pick and roll. He ran the floor. Um, He made mid-range jumpers. He crashed the offensive glass. He just, you know, did a good job of showing NBA teams know what kind of role he could play for them coming off the bench. How much stock are they are teams putting into those scrimmages that happened yesterday? Because it's it's mostly fringe type of prospects that were playing in it. I think that they put a lot of stock. I don't think it's the end all be all because it's still it's only a couple of days out of you know a long career. So you do want to look at an overall body of work. But it's one of the last things that these guys have in their mind right now. It's very fresh, and that you know that's a powerful thing. So I, I do think that they um, that they respect the fact that these guys are coming out and, and performing in a, in a pressure packed situation. And you know you can say it's fringe prospects, but it's still you know many of the best players in college basketball this season. So the competition is you know as high as it's as it's going to be. The lottery picks that they don't want to play, that's fine. But there's still a lot of very good players playing at this combine. Uh, we watched the the workout video you guys posted with Rakeem on DraftExpress.com. It was a it was a lot of jump shots. Is he flashing that you know fifteen eighteen footer at the combine? Yes, he made a lot of shots yesterday. That was one of the best things that he did. Looks like he's been working very hard on his mechanics. And you know he he was a seventy plus percent free throw shooter the last two seasons. We didn't see a ton of, of him shooting at Syracuse, but it looks like he has the potential to, to be at least a capable pick-and-pop guy from in that 15-18 foot area, which is, which is important for him because you don't want to have you know, two big men who are clogging the paint. It helps if one guy can step out a little bit. Does he definitely have to be a four in the NBA? I don't think so, no. I think that his measurements really indicate that he can play um, quite a bit of center in the NBA. He has almost a 9-3 standing reach, which is better than almost you know any center in the NBA, especially for bench guys. So, And he's, he's almost 250 pounds. Um, he's, uh, I, I think he's going to be absolutely fine um, playing the five in the NBA just because of his length. How much different is it at this point in the process for a guy like Rakeem when – He's been in college for four years. He's a few years older. We know so many guys are drafted on potential, but I would think at his age he kind of has to prove that he can play right now, no? No question. There's a major sense of urgency, and that's why it was really impressive for him to see, see him just get it going from, from, from the first second that he stepped out there. He was, he was incredibly aggressive, and, and um, that's, what, that's what teams want to see, absolutely. Jonathan Gavoni, our guest, DraftExpress.com, uh, covering the NBA Combine from Chicago here. Uh, the, the big decision this offseason for Syracuse, and there's one every year, was Chris McCullough, obviously. Steve and I are, are trying to come up with some sort of comparison. I know you've been covering the draft for a long time. Can you think of a guy that, 
you know, like McCullough, the only one that came to our mind was Kyrie Irving, but everybody knew how good he was. He didn't really have to prove it. Is there any comparison you can make with McCullough's situation right now? How about Spencer Dinwiddie last year? He tore his ACL almost at the same point in the season, decided to enter the draft regardless, which kind of surprised some people. I think he ended up going, you know, around 38, 39, and he saw some minutes with Detroit, signed a guaranteed contract. So, you know, I wasn't really as shocked um, seeing him enter the draft. I, I suspect that he was given an indication by an NBA team that he's going to get drafted at a certain Arrange, you know, that someone kind of encouraged him to enter the draft because they figure, okay, you know, we can get this guy in the late 20s or somewhere in the 30s. If we waited a year, you know, maybe he goes top 20. Let's try and lock this guy up now. And um, if he pans out, great. You know, we didn't have to spend too much of an asset on him. If he doesn't, you know, not the end of the world. So what do you think his chances are of sneaking into the back end of that first round just on potential alone? You know, a lot of that is going to come down to the medical evaluation that the doctors do, and that's one of the most important parts of the NBA Combine here is behind the scenes, every single one of these guys is it has a medical evaluation at a hospital where they just go over every part of their body and they get MRIs and, and you know, the works, really. And a lot of players get, you know, things uncovered here that they weren't previously aware of. For example, Isaiah Austin with his heart issue last year. So, you know... I think that Chris McCullough, and not every ACO is, is made the same way. Some guys tear it, and they come back nine months later stronger than ever. Some guys tear it, and they're never the same. So I really think it's going to come down to the extent of the injury. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so unfortunately I can't say too much about that. I don't have all that knowledge. Jonathan, are you a, an Okafor or a Towns guy? I really like both, honestly. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy taking either one. I'm, I'm slightly leaning towards Towns more at this stage just because of the way the NBA game is going with the spacing and rim protection. Okafor probably would have been the number one pick any day, any year in the 80s. You know, that's kind of his style of play. But now I think the game has evolved a lot more. And, you know, defensively, uh, it's going to be tough for him just stepping on a pick and roll and stuff like that and not being a shot blocker. But I still think he's going to be a very good NBA player. Okay, one more for you here before we let you go. Uh, we're hearing more and more about the seven-footer from Latvia. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his name. Uh, just just interested to get your thoughts on where you think he might go and, and uh, what an NBA team would be drafting in him. Christoph Porzingis is, is his name. He plays in Spain in Quinto uh, Seville. He's been there for about five years now. Um, he's very, very skilled. He's seven one. He's athletic. He's long. He's a shot blocker, but he can also make threes. And that's kind of the holy grail now. That's what everybody's looking for. They're looking for that Serge Ibaka guy, someone that can space the floor offensively, uh, keep the paint open for your guards to penetrate, but still be someone that protects the rim on, on the other side of the floor. Um, which is, you know, that's kind of what Chris McCullough does. That's, by the way, that's some of the appeal with with Chris McCullough. So Porzingis, I think he's a lock to go in the top ten. Some people are already talking about him in the top five now. I don't know how much of that is smoke and how much of that is real. A lot of that's going to come down to what happens in the lottery. That's uh, next week here. Once the the order of the draft it, it really shakes out, we're going to have a much better feel of who might go where. We saw a lot of teams. Uh tanking, quote-unquote, this year to try to get into the top end of this lottery. How many guys in this draft do you think ultimately are 
like big difference makers for an NBA franchise that teams are going to say, yeah, that was worth it? Great question, and I, w- I wish I had the answer to it. Um, you know, I think every year there are very, very good players that are drafting the lottery. I don't see this being a particularly different year. Uh, I think that there's, there's, you know, there's tiers. There's the top two, the two big guys, Okafor and Towns. After that, you have the two guards, Moutier and Russell. And then after that, it's really kind of a crapshoot. You know, that's where you start talking about guys like Porzingis, like Holly Stein, like Winslow, guys who are more specialists. Stanley Johnson, Kelly Oubre, Kaminsky. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is, a, this, this is a good draft, and I don't think there's a transcendent, you know, LeBron, Kevin Durant type talent in it. But I do think there will be, you know, a couple of all stars and just a lot of very, very solid NBA players. Jonathan Gavoni, DraftExpress.com. Uh, recommend the DraftExpress.com piece on Rakeem Christmas. An interview his workout video, uh, flashing all his skills. He's had a very good combine so far. Jonathan, thanks for checking in. No, it's a busy time. Thanks for having me.